This is the Made It in Music Podcast, show 113. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, host of the Made It in Music podcast, and welcome to part one of our four-part series that we are starting today, the Song Chasers series. We've all heard the old adage, it all starts with a song. Well, a lot of us have questions about where do these starts come from? Where do these songs come from? And if you're like me, you believe that songs are more so chased than they are written. I believe that our job every day as songwriters is to show up, catch them, and then craft them into masterpieces. And that's really what the songwriting process is. So over these next four weeks, we are going to dive in with four different songwriters on different career trajectories, in different genres, across different platforms, and you are going to learn all about what goes on inside the mind of these hit songwriters. The Song Chasers series on the Made It Music podcast is brought to you by the Song Chasers songwriting course. This is an A to Z look at the songwriting process. We dive through what makes a commercial song a commercial song, what makes a hit a hit, We talk about ideas for starting, we talk about melody, we talk about lyrics, we talk about production, and we talk about the specific genres as well. For more info on that, email support at fullcirclemusic.com. Again, that's support at fullcirclemusic.com, and make the subject line Song Chasers. So part one of the Song Chasers series is with Josh Silverberg, one of my favorite artist, producer, songwriters. Josh and myself share a similar story. We both began our careers as artists and transitioned into production. Um, he gave a lot of detail into his journey and uh, how how God has given him such success in an ever-changing industry, and he's even morphed genres over time. His credits include writing and producing for Jeremy Camp, Michael W. Smith, Jesus Culture, Carrie Job, Mandisa, Newsboys, and most recently a smash hit for Jordan Feliz called The River, just to name a few. That is the Christian side. Now, he's got an entire other path as an artist in the film and TV space. If you just Google Silverberg, you will see and hear his work across all sorts of movie trailers and sports placements and TV promos and commercials. This guy is just absolutely killing it in that world. So Josh Silverberg is here to share his incredible story about how he made it in music. Josh Silverberg, you are incredible. I don't know if I've told you how much of a fan I am of you, but I'm a fan. Wow. I'm saying it on camera. So yeah. It's, the world knows it now. Yeah. It's out there. Man, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by. Our, our mission for Made It Music Podcast is just giving people tools um, who want to go full-time in music. And you've been full-time in music for a long time. Um, but really, I, I would say, really finding your stride in, in these last three, four years. I yeah. Mean, you've always been doing great stuff, but um, 
just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Some of the stuff you're doing with sync and worship music and your own artist projects. So thank you for taking the time to come. Oh man. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. So we'll just go all the way back. What was the first dollar that you ever made in music? The first dollar that I ever made, honestly, I think it was playing guitar, um, a hired gig. Yeah. Okay. And, and what, like with who? It was for church in college. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get that gig? Um, just, man, I'm trying to remember. Just through th- some friends, they knew, oh, this they needed a guitar player, and they knew I played guitar. Yeah. Yeah, so it was that kind of thing. Were you, at that time, having aspirations to do an artist career or to write music, or was it kind of just sounds um, cool? Artist and writing music, yeah. I did that ever since high school, and... Um, I got into production um, when I was in high school as well, honestly, because I spent all my money on the first song that we recorded. And I was like, I think I can do this better than than the first time I recorded. And then also, we spent all our money. Yeah. <laughs> so you just didn't have a choice. So, so it's out of default. If yeah. I want to record more songs, I need to learn. So in that same studio... Um, this is in Long Island, New York, back in the day. I got to just intern at a studio, and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I cut my teeth, did a few of my own records, and produced and worked for the company there for other artists. Was it uh, Josh Silverberg Records, or were you in a band at the time? A band, yeah, which event, same guys that became Edison Glass. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was where I first heard your name in association with, was, was this band Edison Glass. Can you talk about... Um, that season a little bit. Yeah. Um, I almost forget that happened, but man, I love that time. Yeah, yeah learned a lot. Um, did two records with Chris York at Capitol mm-hmm. and toured around a lot. We were, tra- it was, I think it was a bit of an experiment um, in the marketplace because there wasn't a lot of things that sounded like us coming through the Christian streams. Um, but we played mostly general market stuff. So we toured, you know, like with May and Spill Canvas and different mm-hmm. bands like that. Yeah. We did one tour with Blindside. Oh, wow. Swedish band. Yeah. 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 Blindside, man. That's, we got to, me and my wife got to hang out with uh, Christian, the singer. For the best. A day on our way over to Sweden. And if he ever sees this, that was an awesome day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, I, and during that season, I guess you were, you were, you know, running through the, the gamut doing how many shows a year? Like we would tour a lot and we toured in a van. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like we made enough to pay our bills at that time, which were like cell phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> so no bills. Yeah. yeah. And the van payment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. you guys were probably single dudes and just mm-hmm. bachelor life. Yeah. Um, and I did, well, I was the only married guy. Oh, so you were in that in that time? Yeah. Okay. So the first year of our marriage, Mick was pretty much on tour with us. Yeah. Yeah. Did she like that? To a certain extent. <laughs> but being the only girl, yeah, has its yeah. downfalls. Yeah. And in a van full of smelly guys, you know. So yeah. what, I mean, I'm sure you had a, a ton of um, learning experiences from that season. What? You said it was an experiment. What were some of the biggest things that you kind of didn't expect going um, into it? How important marketing is in branding. Because mm. 
a lot of creatives might be under the assumption, oh, you just do amazing song and it'll just find its way sometimes. But if you're not as equally as intentional with the marketing craft as you are with your creating craft, I mean, mm. the chances of success as far as like being able to do it for a living go down dramatically. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, did you feel like you guys just didn't care about it back then? And you're just like, this I is about our think, art. Yeah, I didn't think about it, you know? And I loved how the fans at the show didn't don't know about this. But what goes behind, like, we don't really want you to tour with us because you're a Christian band. We don't want you to tour with us because you're not a Christian band. Mm. We kind of landed in this middle, you know what I mean, ground yeah. where... We weren't Christian enough for the Christian market and we were not general market enough for general market because we had Christian ties. Mm. So it became a little hard yeah. marketing wise, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's different now. The industry yeah. Yeah, totally. now is way different than it was back then. So what what would you have done differently in terms of Honestly, I probably would have dove into one or the other full steam. Mm. Yeah. Just being a Christian band or being a, a mainstream rock yeah. band. Yeah. And if you're a Christian brand, band, your audience is the church and you're very ministry focused. That's the whole reason why you're doing it, to encourage Christians. Um, and if you want to be an artist out there as an entertainment career, like do that all the way. You know what I mean? Versus, yeah, yeah. not that you can't. Everywhere you go, you bring Jesus in your faith. You know what I mean? So sure. That that's just by default. But I want to dive into that a little bit because and and, and we'll backtrack a little bit yeah. to that part in your story, but I wanna I wanna live there for a second because a lot of people out there who, you know, are watching this or listening to this have some kind of faith, whether it's in in God, same God that we believe and that we worship or in something else. But a lot of people have this have a hard time reconciling faith with commerce with what they do with you know how does that influence who you are and the the music that you create can you talk about your your maybe your mindset with that yeah. where you're at nowadays well <clears throat> if from a cr christian perspective at salvation your spirit and christ's spirit is actually actually one and you can't separate that mm. but for whatever reason we like to put boxes, you know, like I'm going to be a Christian when I go to church. When I go to my job, I'm going to be a worker. When I'm at home being a dad, I'm totally a dad. But you're actually all of those things wherever you are. Mm. Yeah, it's just not separated at all. And for me, the more I came to understand my true identity in Christ, the more I didn't see a separation of um, if I'm in a like current, you know, now when I'm in a session, maybe with people that believe or don't believe, I'm going to speak openly and freely and pray for healing and just see amazing stuff happen. And um, there's no real separation. You know what I mean? I don't have to hide it and I don't have to go out of my way to push it on people. I'm just, wherever I go, I'm connected to Christ, mm -hmm. you know? So you can't take that title 
away, whether I'm working on TV film, yeah. pop music, worship music. It's, I'm one with Jesus. You can't take that away from me. Yeah. yeah. So good. Let's put a bookmark there. So backing up to your experience as an artist, because you mentioned that your first dollar that you made was actually getting hired as a guitar player. So were you not, I guess you, you didn't necessarily make any money doing Edison Glass. Was that kind of the point? Yeah, not at that point. Yeah, so this would have been freshman year in college. Yeah. I remember getting my first check going, wait a minute, you're paying me to do this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So between that and going full-time, what was it that, that, that enabled you to actually make that transition to where, okay, I'm actually a full-time Okay, so I developed that skill as a producer. So then I was probably doing songs for a hundred dollars or a couple hundred dollars for different college friends. And so when I wasn't on tour and doing those things, even as, even when we were signed, I was home producing records. Mm. Um, And that just became, you know, pretty much all of the income for music. Yeah. So producing was the thing that, that Mm kind of let you really go full time. Yeah. Because it was, you're providing a service for somebody else. Yeah. And developing a skill that others, not everyone has. Mm. And then it just built up, you know, with that, built up some equipment, got my stuff sounding better and better. Yeah. Yeah. And so with producing, was there, you know, a lot of people like to think of it as a moment. I think both of us know that it's really not a moment, it's more of a journey. But was there a moment or was there a big break that, yes. like, when you got this thing? It was just like the floodgates opened. <laughs> That's funny. It's always up. It's always like different all the time with production, yeah. right? But I think when I first moved to Nashville nine years ago, um, the band thing kind of fizzled out. And Chris York um, asked to have a band stay at my house. And they were called Luminate from Texas. Mm. And they had a free day open. So we co-wrote a song. I turned in the demo and the label goes, man, this is great. Can we use this for the record? And I'm like, hmm. what? I didn't, okay. And they're like, can we hire you to, can we use this recording and hire you to finish the production? And I'm like, yeah, you can. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and then after that, once you kind of get your first one, you know, then people are calling, they want to set up rights. And then if that song makes a record, Sure. Yeah, you just produce it. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, you and I have a very similar path in that regard. I, I think everything for me has always started with songwriting. And then if I've ever ended up producing a record or, or co-producing a record, it's always been because of what happened in the room yep. or because the artist liked the way the demo sounded or label liked the way the demo sounded. Like, what's the balance with, do you do you just make demos like you're making masters or do you just get them to a certain point and then say, okay, well, if you can imagine it sounding like this. I think it's different for different genres. So like for TV film, it's masters all the way. Um, we write the song, record the vocals that day, and then maybe I'll spend a couple extra days on the production and mix mm. and get it pretty much to record quality. Mm. And I'm doing all the mixing and stuff myself, so as best as I can, you know, but when you like, when you produce, it's always nice to have an outside mixer. Yeah. 
Are you just doing that out of kind of necessity or just the fact that you're doing so many that it would just get really expensive to have people? Yeah, both. And then, because when people call for stems, they need it like in a half an hour. Mm. So I need to have all the files with me if they need a change. We love that part, but can you edit this and then send it back to us? Yeah. And a lot of these like trailer houses, they're working and you got to get to them in half an hour if you want that spot. Yeah. So do you have like a team of guys that are now doing all that or is it kind of just still you and your your hard drive? <laughs> <laughs> it's all me and my hard drive right now. But at, like a lot of people keep bringing it up. They're like, yeah. man, you need to expand. They're like, you should talk to Seth about that. He's done, <laughs> he's done that really well. And I'm like, I really need to do that. Yeah. You, you need a dude. It's, it's, it's so much a team thing because as you know, you can only do so much and still have time for a family and how have you how have you balanced all that because you say okay they need something in a half hour yeah what if you're eating dinner and like your kids you have two kids we both have two kids kids screaming what do you do then i have to do it because it's it's the job but i do work normal hours normally yeah like a nine to five situation yeah yeah so after that, if something comes in, it's just going to be, well, that, that one's, we're not going to do that one. Uh, no, I have to, I'm going to do the job unless, yeah, yeah, because when I'm with my family, I'm a, you got to be 100% in the moment. Yeah. But if you get a phone call and, you know, these trailer houses, you know, they're like pretty, it's like in demand. And if you get it, it's really great payout. Like. My wife's like, yeah, you go and do that. So you know, you, what guys, I mean? you guys have a very yeah. mutual understanding that, and it's pretty just, quick too. Like when you, it's not going to take more than twenty minutes to yeah. send the stems over or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. your studios, well, studio right now is yeah, is fifteen steps away almost at all times. Yeah, I, I say studio because it's like laptop. I mean, it can be anywhere, right? Yeah. So. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, it's one of the things we, we really talk a lot about on the show is not only as being an artist, but being multifaceted. You, you've also helped a lot of other artists in their journey to find um, you know, success at film and TV. Um, can you talk about that part of your story a little bit? Just maybe some of the songs you've been a part of, artists yeah. you've been a part of. Probably, maybe my favorite CCM song is probably uh, The River, Jordan Felice. Yeah. And it was his, you know, first breakout yeah. song, and um, and I just like with everything that you do, honestly, um, and from Christian from this is a Christian perspective is, um, it's being authentic in the moment, just like surrendering to. I ha- I can't help but talk in Christian because That's it's great. just so part of me. That's good. Um, there's in the Bible and it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all things would be added unto you. Like the Christianity is based on relationship mm. and it's all about relationship. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died to restore that perfect relationship between us and the father. Mm. And this father wants to give us good gifts. Like, like you being a dad, you know, you just want to bless your kids. Mm. Um, and when we, man, honestly, so I'm in the car 
just in a worship time. And this song is a gift. Mm. Like, I can't take credit for it. Um, we worked on it, obviously, and used the skills to shape it to what it's become. But it, the chorus of that song dropped down, and I knew it was for this artist, Jordan Felice. And at that time, not everybody was wanting to work with him. He was a developing artist, which is a big risk. And On an indie label. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it was an attractive situation, but I didn't give it too much thought. It just kind of happened. I'm like, okay, that's amazing. And um, the rest is kind of history of what, what happened. But, like, we got in the room. We finished the song with Colby. Went really fast. Um, everyone put in great input. Colby did an amazing job on production and helped finish the song. And it just was that huge number one for him. Mm. And last year won ASCAP Song of the Year. Yeah, amazing. Um, now, I remember where I was the first time I heard it. it was at, we were, I think, living at our old house at the time and had it on, had, you know, K-Love or Way FM or something on and uh, came on. I was like, is this like Christian radio, like it sounds yeah. so different. It sounds like I can't believe they're playing this. You know, it's so fresh and so um, just has a thing about it. So creating out of fear, I would say, is the biggest inhibitant to creating great content. Mm. You know, like so coming from a place of faith and freedom when you create versus fear. Because, man, and then everyone involved in that process, what if they were too afraid to take it to radio? Mm. What if they were too afraid to put it on the record? What if we were too afraid because it didn't sound like it fit the mold for the demographic? Mm. But still, I mean, it did what it did because there was something in it. Honestly, it was God-breathed. You can't, I can't fabricate that. Yeah. I can't do that again at a, at a drop of the hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just yeah. one of those things you just look at and go, God was in that. A lot, a large part of it was to launch Jordan because he's such a pure heart. Yeah. Now he's got a whole career. Yeah. Instead of, he got to the front, took like three years of the grind out. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then if you rewind, I mean, he had definitely done some serious grind. Oh, his yeah. Metal band days. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think he all- put his work in. Yeah. For but, sure. but when a big song happens, it, it can be a big like hitting a fast forward button and you can skip yeah. a lot of the steps in the line. It's like having a fast pass. <laughs> yeah. So we talk were, talk yeah. a little bit about we were talking before the interview, just how much you're focusing nowadays on, you know, Silverberg um, yourself as an artist, which is largely film and TV. Yeah. And you also mentioned that, okay, worship music is like 30% of your time. Can you talk about why that is? Like, why why do you not just do that every day? Worship is probably my favorite to write. And going to church, we're singing worship all the time. I'm worshiping all the time to and from places. You know, you just can't help, like in the shower. But when I sit down and write a worship song, like I... I'd rather be more selective and make it the best I can Mm. versus trying to do just a million songs. You know, like I've heard Max Martin say he's got 10 great songs in in a year and he won't go above that. Mm. Um, And and there's not that we're going to ever run out of ideas, but for the sake of quantity, are you going to risk taking what could be a great idea 
but just leaving it in its infant stages. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Instead of making it great. So I may work on one song and just keep going and going. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I've got open songs with Chris Kilala that we we keep coming back to. We've been working on them for like years. Sure. Yeah. So, man, that that's that's huge. I think a lot of people out there who are watching this are artists or aspiring artists or work with artists, so they understand the power of songs and songwriting. How do you know when a song is actually done? Probably when I don't hate anything about it. <laughs> yeah, when nothing bothers me anymore. Yeah. And my here's my one theory on songwriting, or one of my theories is you have to listen from listener's perspective, which is different than the creative or the artist's perspective. Like take yourself away from it and almost like you're driving down a road and is any part of the song going to cause you to swerve left or right? Or are you going to be held? Like, is it a great story? Does it pull you emotionally from the start to the end? You know, what is the chorus, the main central theme? Is it catchy enough when you turn the song off? Can you sing it back? You know, so it's these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, let's jump to our full circle five. What is your favorite book or record that you most commonly recommend to people? Oh man. Okay. So I should probably read more books, but I'm on YouTube all the time. Okay. So I actually just text YouTube videos to friends. Do you have like a favorite one that you've texted in the past six months? Um, Well, I'm super, if you know me, I love praying for healing. And one of my favorite teachers is a guy called Art Thomas. Mm. And he has a YouTube video called Effortless Healing. Mm. And it's just, yeah, awesome. So yeah. look so look up Effortless Healing by Art Thomas. Yeah. Okay. I know it's not music related, but... No, hey, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second question. Yeah. Failure can become a gift, but it only becomes a gift if it changes your behavior, perspective on something, changes the way you do something. And that's when it truly becomes a gift. So in that light, do you have a favorite failure moment from your career that you can share? I would say constantly. Okay. <laughs> so like you were saying, in a way, I'm finally founding my niche but five years from now, it'll be different. You know what I mean? Because it's you're always kind of advancing in a way. Um, because music industry is a moving target. It's constantly moving. So you kind of have to grow and adapt and then also find the place that works best for your skill set. Mm. So I started out a guitar player, then an artist in, in an indie band, and then a producer mainly in Christian music and then a producer, songwriter in worship music and TV film. And largely what I do now is mostly TV film and it hits just creatively and my, my go-to instincts just seem to be really right for that genre. Yeah. And same thing on the writing side with worship. Um, but who knows what's going to happen next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even though someone could look at maybe my band as a failure, I didn't see it that way because it's the necessary experience, you know, that you need to gain. Yeah. And then all the songs that maybe you've never heard of, 
can you look at them as failures? Kind of, but then they help me write the next one, mm. you know? And once you know what doesn't work, you, do, you're not, you don't have to repeat that again. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great answer. So before you dove in full time yeah. to music, which again, pre, you know, producing and all this stuff, was there something that you can pinpoint that held you back or kept you from just diving all the way into it? Um, it was a commitment to pursue the dream wholeheartedly. And I remember, this is my third year at college, and I had a conversation with my dad on the phone, and he, I'm like, I got all my electives out of the way, trying to pick my major, right? And I'm like, Dad, what do you think about business? And he goes, uh, that doesn't really sound like you. And I'm like, how am I going to provide for a family? And he's like, don't worry about that. Like, follow your dream. You only live once. I'm like, okay. Wow. How about music education? He's like, that sounds a little closer. And, and I'm like, Dad, how am I going to provide for anybody? And he's like, trust me. Don't worry about it. Follow your dream. The money will come. I'm like, okay. And then I said, how about music composition? He's like, that sounds about right. I'm like, Dad. There's no jobs for that. <laughs> like zero. When you look for a job and you music composition is your major, you can pretty much teach music composition. Wow. <laughs> There's no guaranteed job. Yeah. And I'm like, he's like, that one. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Man, what a gift though that yeah. you had a dad that was like, you know, I, I think so many people have the have the opposite experience where their parents are like, no, you need to just get the safe route, get the gig, get the benefits, get the, it's the fear mentality is really what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, overcoming so what a, fear. Yeah, so what a, what a gift that, um, that you had that. And it wasn't always easy or glamorous and only in the last few years have it, has it really paid off financially, but I've always had my needs met I've, and I've always loved, loved my job. Mm. So I wouldn't trade that even if I wasn't making the money I'm making now, um, I wouldn't trade that life for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a book called War of Art. I, I've been referencing it a ton lately, but he talks about that, that if, if you were the last person on earth, would you still do it? And that's what it sounds like with, yeah. with songwriting. and Oh, without a music. question. Yeah. yeah. So good. So um, what's something that is working for you right now? Um, we talked a lot about it. Sync. Yeah. It's working really great for me right now. Yeah. What what about it? Like you just doing songs as, as Silverberg or for, with other artists or Yeah, all of it. And I'll explain that dynamic a little bit writing with artists on labels versus creating your own masters for TV. So if I you know, traditionally what I did in Nashville probably for six or more years without TV film is you get with an artist, then you write a song with them and maybe they write a hundred songs for the record and then you have to be lucky enough to be one of the 10 to make that record. And then for that song to make money, it has to be a single. And then that single still has to do well. So there's a lot of hoops along the process. And um, when it comes to TV film, I mean, all of that is out the door because what I'm creating, I actually own. I own the master or usually half own with the artist. Or if it's me, I own the whole thing. Or 
But either way, I own a part of the master versus a label that's going to buy it from you. Mm. So when it lands somewhere, um, if you guys are aware, um, half of your sync money goes to the owner of the master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm not, when I finish a song with an artist, there's no, it's not waiting for a record. It goes straight to publishers that are doing pitching. And I'm not thinking about it anymore. I, the next day, I'll work on another song. And then six months down the road, a song lands. I forgot I've even written it. So it frees up a lot of creative space in your mind. I'm not trying to, I'm not wondering, hey, is that Jeremy Camp song going to be a single or not? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and when it comes out, is it going to be, you know, go number one or whatever? You know what I mean? You're There's all that, you just like, um, extra hoops, I guess you don't even have to deal with. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. So... Last question. If, yeah. if you woke up tomorrow morning and you still possessed all the knowledge, experience, relationships that you have, but your entire business collapsed and you had to start from square one, yeah, and you could do anything, where would you start? Doing sync all the way. <laughs> and I'd buy a laptop and I'd start writing sync music. Buy yeah. a laptop, start writing sync music. Yeah, and I learned logic. Logic. Yeah. Not Pro Tools? Mm-mm. Why Logic? Uh, it just has a lot more stuff built in, a lot easier for beginners. Greater value. Sounds awesome. There's so much more things about it that's instant versus Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. I work in Pro Tools, but only because I've been in there forever. But you do you think about switching to Logic? Or do you kind of use both? Um there's probably a month or two out of every year that I will learn a whole nother DAW <laughs> and do like a song or two and then realize this is t- still taking me like four times as long. So I go back to Pro Tools. Yeah. So you've but tried like Ableton. I've learned Ableton, Studio One, Logic, it just Reaper. <laughs> I've learned, yeah, all of them in a, in a way that I could, you know, at least do a song through it. But my yeah. favorite probably is Logic Studio One and Ableton, they're all pretty awesome. Yeah. My least favorite might be Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you're working in. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've been getting a lot better. Yeah. You know, just, they're just slow with their updates. Yeah. yeah. So talk about anything. What are you excited about right now? Are you working on a project? Are you working on new music? Are you like, what's, what's getting you out of bed every morning? Yeah. Um, Man, I love the worship songs that I get to write with Jesus Culture. Mm. I love the worship songs that I get to write with The Belonging. Amazing worship artists in their own right. You know, Andrew Hull, you know, all the guys at Belonging, all the and girls, all the g- girls and guys at Jesus Culture. Yeah. Chris Kilala, I mentioned. Um, just amazing. There's a song actually recently wrote with Sarah Reeves and Andrew that I love called Just Want You. Yeah. I don't think it's out yet, but I believe Sarah recorded it for her record. Mm. And I think Belonging is going to do a version as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. I love that song. It's a great yeah. song. Yeah. Um, and for me, I've, I kind of like things just a little different, but it's like finding that target where I haven't heard it said that way, but you don't have to explain it to me. Mm. You know, it's like fresh enough where it's a new angle, 
but you're not reinventing. They don't have to get a dictionary out and figure out what are they trying to say. Yeah, uh, That's just not the purpose of a song. So those are great. I'm really excited about a new Silverberg song c- coming out called Help You Heal. Mm. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. I love it. And that's a, a kind of sync target mm-hmm. project. Yeah. So where can people find you? Social media, I'm assuming? Yeah. Spotify, social media. Um, look up Silverberg or Joshua Silverberg is my name. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here with us on the show, man. It's been incredible. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you've been with us on the Made It in Music podcast, produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamoni. Again, this is part one of the Song Chasers series. Next episode is going to be part two with one of my personal songwriting heroes, Shane McAnally. I don't need to say much more than that. You can Google his name. You'll see his credits a mile long in the country world, and he is synonymous with chart-topping artists like Casey Musgraves, Midland Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney, just to name a few. And it was one of my favorite conversations that I think we've had since we started the podcast. So make sure you do not miss that one. That's going to be part two of the Song Chasers songwriting series on the Made It Music podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure you head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, click the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you haven't done so, make sure you check out our show notes pages too, where we've got links for all of the resources and things that we talk about in the podcast. This is episode 113. So go to madeitinmusic.com slash 113 for all of those awesome show notes. And we will see you on the next episode.